1: Sitting in a diner or out in the street Catch up with the news, get your point of view I want to hear what unravels, I'll see you in my travels
2: well, welcome to another edition of Travels with Charlie. Charlie Papillo, your host, uh, and thank you for joining me this afternoon. A uh, quick uh, shout out to all of my sponsors. I'm also, uh, you know, very thankful and grateful to my sponsors, Casella, Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, and of course Milne Travel American Express, as well as support from True North Radio. Quick reminder that the uh, podcast of previous shows, as well as this one, on WDEVRadio.com, so if you don't hear this uh, broadcast in its entirety, you want to go back to any of the other broadcasts that we've done, they're all there on the website, WDEVradio.com. On our show today, Scott Milne from Milne Travel American Express. He's going to be talking with us about travel. What else? I'd like to book a trip to Alaska right about now. <laughs> it's I think it's 95 degrees in this studio. Uh, uh, and uh, musician, singer, songwriter, Vermont's own Rick Norcross, on his latest project, Press Pass. He's going to be joining us. Rick, as you may or may not know, is a writer for the Tampa Times from 1969 to 1974. He interviewed and photographed some of the most famous artists of the century. He's going to be talking with us about that. But my first guest today is a member of the Essex-Westford School Board. She's come under fire because of her thoughts on critical race theory and even been accused of having a conflict of interest because of her beliefs. She joins me in studio today, Liz Katie. Liz, thank you for joining me today.
3: Thank you for having me, Charlie.
2: And I guess, you know, the question is, is it hot enough for you?
3: It's pretty toasty in here.
2: (laughs) So uh, let me ask you uh, first, Liz, was that issue resolved, the the issue of conflict of interest? And it seemed like kind of a... A stretch to even accuse somebody of conflict of interest
3: yes the conflict of interest that was um it was put forth and it was dealt with i did not agree with the conflict of interest and we had a board meeting that night and the other board members saw also that the conflict of interest did not hold any merit
2: it was actually from a complaint from somebody in the town it was a
3: complaint from two members of the town yes
2: and and you have a difference in opinion i mean that's not a conflict
3: Right. So what they had said that was was partisan politics. Again, we have different opinions, and because you don't believe one way, they wanted to institute politics into it. But our schools should be nonpartisan, not political at all.
2: Would you agree that when you were elected that your views were pretty well known? I mean, that's you know the reason that you were elected
3: yes I think everybody very much knew where I stood on issues and what I stood for and I was elected for those very reasons so I'll stand by them
2: so there's a lot of things happening right now here it is it's June 7th Uh, they've had a number of meetings you've got more meetings coming up shortly Uh, and uh, on May 28th about 100 people concerned people they gathered at the Essex Grange Hall to discuss you were the first speaker there Can you tell us about some of the points that were made, and what are you hearing from the community?
3: Okay, so one of the big points that we've had locally in our schools is this idea of critical race theory. In our schools, there was a program that was introduced to parents, and it was called Courageous Conversations. sounds pretty innocuous, but when you look up Courageous Conversations, it's premised on the belief that the United States is systemically racist. And that, then it snowballs into a lot of beliefs that ra- critical race theory holds. And so the question for our equity director was, Essex-Westford instituting critical race theory? And the answer was yes. And then two weeks later, after they said yes at the school board meeting, we received a letter of all members of the town saying, no, we're not doing critical race theory. Well, then they came back a week later, yes, we're doing critical race theory, but there's no curriculum that we can give you with this.
2: So it's basically, they're, they're saying it's, it's an equity policy, and that's not critical race theory.
3: Critical race theory is, as they say, it's one of the ideologies that they are following, but there is no set curriculum with critical race theory. This idea that equity is in everything that the district is supposed to do, but again, we don't have any actual specific curriculums that parents can request to see.
2: Liz Cady is my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. If you have a question or a comment and you'd like to make one, we'd love to hear from you. 244-1777 or toll free at 1-877-291-8255. And for those of you that are going, well, this is an Essex-Westford issue. Why are we talking about it here on a statewide program? It's, this is something that's going on across the country. Uh, and it's something that's coming to the forefront right now in Essex and Westford uh, at that meeting at the at the town grange Liz were there any students there that spoke out and were they In agreement with you, or or did they disagree with you? Well, we
3: did have a high schooler join us, and what he he wanted to show, they unfortunately did not have a projector up, but he has shared many of the slides that high school students are receiving when they're in class. So while parents are being told that there's nothing that they can see or view beforehand, high schoolers are being given slides in their SEL or advisory times that say such things as compare police brutality to lynchings, discuss your white supremacy. Um, those are the things that they are seeing in class, yet somehow can't make it back home to the parents.
2: Let me, for people that, that, uh, this is, a, it's a, it's a new term for many. Mm-hmm. Critical race theory. And they're not exactly sure what it is. I, I, I'll just like to read something. Christopher Rufo, the founder and director of Battlefront, a public policy research center, writes this about what is, Critical race theory. And again, if you want to comment, uh, agree or disagree, we'd love to hear from you. 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. And this is what, what Christopher Rufo writes. Critical race theory is an academic discipline formulated in the 1990s built on the intellectual framework of identity-based Marxism. Relegated for many years to universities and obscure academic journals, over the past decade, it has increasingly become the default ideology in our public institutions. It has been injected into government agencies, public school systems, teacher training programs, and corporate human resource departments in the form of diversity training, human resource modules, public policy frameworks, and school curricula. There are a series of euphemisms deployed by its supporters to describe critical race theory, including Equity, social justice, shaking your head, diversity, and inclusion in culturally responsive teaching. Critical race theorists, masters of language construction, realize that neo-Marxism would be a hard sell. Equity, on the other hand, sounds non-threatening and is easily confused with the American principle of equality. And that's one of the points, Liz. I'd like to get your thoughts and your comments on that. Equity versus equality.
3: Right. So we've all of a sudden, equality seems to be this dirty word when we're in schools, that if we're doing equality, that still means that some groups cannot achieve. So we want things to be equitable. They want to be fair. But what people are misunderstanding about equality is that when we create equal opportunity for our students, that often means providing certain students with extra items or extra materials that they need to learn. Educators will be the first to tell you that all students learn at different rates. They need different ways of learning, and we can provide that and give them an equal opportunity to succeed.
2: In your opinion, does critical race theory teach that systemic racism and inequality are part of American culture.
3: Yes, that's what critical race theory does. It's that there's systemic racism, and by the color of your skin, you know how you fit into that, and that's how people should judge you. It's in the systemically racist country, your skin determines whether you have been successful or whether you have been a failure. And there's nothing about you that's in your control to change that.
2: Do you have any idea how the community feels about this? Is it split down the middle? Is it 80-20? Where where does it lie?
3: I think it's a very polarizing issue right now. We have people who are all the way for it, and we have the people all the way against it. I believe most of our community lives somewhere in the middle, where they don't want to go this extreme version of critical race theory. We can talk about race. We can certainly teach our children how to talk to others, how to be kind to others, make certain that we are taking any racism out of the equation. But it doesn't have to be critical race theory. Critical race theory is premised on the idea that racial discrimination will end racial discrimination. Illogical.
2: Yeah. There's also a, a stigma that comes along with it that when you talk about it, especially if you talk about it and you question it, that immediately you're considered a racist. Yes. So it's an issue where a lot of people don't want to talk about it because, well, you know, I'd rather not go, go near that subject.
3: And I've heard that from many parents reaching out to me saying, I support what you're doing, but I can't speak out because I'm afraid of what they'll say about me. I'm afraid of my business being successful. And these are all all real fears. And the thing that I try to tell people is that, if we all get together in a group and discuss about this middle ground, how can we go about moving forward to be the best people for all each other, this common humanity that we all share? We can do that. And we just don't have to accept that just because we don't buy into critical race theory, that means that we're bad. That's not true.
2: So p- part of the you know the big picture here about critical race theory and about some of the other things that are going on in schools, and it's been quite a few years since my kids have been in grade school and in, uh, in high school, uh, but I... Just, you know, from what I hear with, with other, uh, families that have young kids in school, and some of the, you know, the kids coming home and some of the things that they're telling their parents, it seems that there's a, a degree of, oh, for want of a better term, it, it's indoctrination.
3: Right. And it's creating a wedge between children and parents because they're being told that your parents can't possibly understand what you're being taught here because they learned it wrong. And the family unit, our public schools need to respect the values and beliefs that the family has. That takes precedence. Right now, our public schools seem to have this audacity that they can supersede family values right now. And that's not okay.
2: Shouldn't we be teaching students how to think versus what to think? Because that, that appears to me that that's what's happening. We're teaching them what to think.
3: Right. And that's, a, that's the thing is that this isn't critical. You know, they say critical race theory is a way to critically think. Not if you're only giving them one point of information. We need to give our students tools so that they can critically think, and that involves everything. So critical race theory is, of course, premise on everything bad that has happened in our history. But we have a lot of good. Why don't we give children both so that they can decide for themselves how they feel about this and how they can make the world a better place?
2: Liz Katie with me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. She is an Essex-Westford school board member. You've you've been on for two months now?
3: (laughs) Just less than that. (laughs) Just
2: less than two months. Yep. Are you rethinking, man, what did I get into here? Hey,
3: I'm what, thinking that sometimes. <laughs>
2: well, obviously, you you went about it for a reason. I mean, you stand behind your principles. Uh, uh, is that what drove you to run for school
3: board? You know, really, it was there was decisions being made within our schools uh, by the school board and the district that when I found out what was happening, I was saying, well, I don't remember being engaged about that. And here I am, a lot of my tax dollars go towards the education system. Why don't I know anything about this? Why am I not allowed to vote on this? And that's really what drove me to get involved. And then as soon as I became more involved, all of a sudden, here we have more and more issues where I'm sitting here wondering, when was our community told about this, and when has our community been able to give feedback based on this?
2: So when you ran, you ran on the... the you were critical of, uh, of critical race theory.
3: You know, I didn't run on that. I didn't even no. know that was in the schools then. I ran on transparency, that the community needed transparency. We needed accountability from our board members. And we need physical responsibility. We have one of the highest budgets out of all the school districts in the state. Is our budget going to what we approve?
2: Are you facing any kind of backlash for coming out uh, and being vocal about this, Liz?
3: Yes, I think that there's always going to be some backlash. There's some people who would rather you not talk about it because it's been easy to put this stuff in the schools when people don't know what's going on and they're too afraid to speak out. And by somebody saying, no, this isn't right, I don't believe in this, and being able to do so in a kind way, I certainly hope that's how I come across, I believe it's giving people more of a voice now.
2: You talk about a middle ground, but, I mean, that's a term. But what exactly does it mean? I I. I I find it hard to believe that there could be some middle ground here. I don't know where where it would go.
3: You know, the middle ground for me is just simply saying by saying the equity policy that we have forth or critical race theory that we have in our schools, not buying into it doesn't b- mean that we don't buy into talking about or improving how we talk about racism, right? We have an ever-evolving world. We can't stay stagnant. So making certain that we are teaching our children uh, how to be good people, I think we can always discuss and see where we need to go from that. If we see in Vermont that we have a particular group of people that is not being successful when they come to our schools, absolutely, let's look at that. Let's see if we can change that.
2: Liz Katie, Essex-Westford School Board number with me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie, two four four seventeen seventy seven. That's the number to reach if you have a question or comment for Liz or one is a toll-free number. Liz, the school board received a letter from Take Charge Leader, uh, Minnesota congressional candidate Kendall Qualls, uh, highly critical of, cri- of uh, critical race theory. Uh, he's an African American. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like you have to put that in, but uh, it is, it is part of it. You familiar with the letter?
3: No, I'm not actually.
2: Uh, well, let me read this. Uh, this is a quote from, from, uh, from Kendall Qualls, the leader of uh, this uh, Take Charge uh, group. Uh, he said, quote, we acknowledge that racist people exist in this country but explicitly reject the notion that the United States of America is a racist country. This is a subtle but significant difference. We also decline the idea that the country is guilty of systemic racism, white privilege, and abhor the concept of identity politics and the promotion of victimhood, in the minority communities, communities. your thoughts, Liz?
3: Yes, now I remember that letter um, it was from somebody else sending it in. Yes, um, that's absolutely true, right? We do have racist people. We cannot deny that. We do have a country that had slavery. We do have a country that, even though it said it was equality for all, didn't really follow that. But what we also have is we have a country that has constantly worked to make that idea of equality for all better and applicable to absolutely everybody. That's why we are a nation that has so many ethnicities, races, nationalities here, because people come to America because they can achieve the American dream.
2: Where do you see race relations right now in the country? And and you're a little younger than I am, but uh, I, I can remember back into the 60s when when a lot of that was was going on, Uh, and it seems like we've made great strides. And uh, just all of a sudden, it's like we want to go back into into the 60s and we want to relive all of this. It's not like it was then.
3: Well, and that's what I was thinking, too, is that I don't remember ever having a focus on race being a problem. I've always been taught that you treat everybody based on the content of their character, and anybody who I've come into contact with, race has not been an issue for me. Now I understand that I am a white person, so I've never had something racist shouted at me. So I understand that there are different perspectives based on this. But what we're seeing here, I think, is actually driving a wedge between people. It's highlighting the bad. And again, as soon as you focus on the bad, you think about people who are always listening to bad news, your perspective all of a sudden is very bad. You don't, it's not happy.
2: Who benefits from it? I, I, there's you know there's, there's some criticism saying that you know the democrat party benefits from this this is an issue that they can run on it's a, it, it's one of those issues that it's hard to to be against i mean who who wants to support racism
3: right and you know i don't think it's a partisan thing at this point in time i think this is critical race theory is just a wrong ideology and you know quite honestly i think it's just a way to divide our nation we are the greatest country in the world and we can't forget that and i do believe that there are people who they realize the only way that our country can go down is if we destroy ourselves from within And how do you do that? You divide its people. Mm.
2: Liz Katie with me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. And once again, you can uh, join us 244-1777 1-877-291 8255 to join the conversation here on Travels with Charlie, back right after this. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.milnetravel.com. Yeah, I was just hanging on, just waiting to see what Cormor's going to do for for bumper music today. (laughs) He keeps setting that bar higher and higher and higher. Some classic stones for you there. Charlie Watts just celebrated his 80th birthday. How about that? 80 years old. And, of course, uh, you know, the big... The big story again. Everybody, Keith Richards is still around. I mean, he's, he'll, he's he's like cockroaches. He's gonna he's gonna be here forever. You don't have to worry about it. Liz Cady is my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Want to thank you all for joining us here. And uh, let me just throw it out to the listeners there because it seems, Liz, that as we've pointed out, this is an issue we're talking about: critical race theory. Liz is a select board member, or, or excuse me, a school board member, Essex Westford. Uh, they are discussing a. A, it's not critical race theory. No, it's,
3: it's an equity policy.
2: Equity policy. You're going to be voting on that shortly, correct?
3: Possibly so, yes.
2: Whether or not that is going to be part of the curriculum. Yes. In the school system. Uh, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Not, not just about Essex and Westford, but this could be coming to your school. Right. Are you ready for it? Is this something that you want? As as Liz has pointed out, this is something that kind of it kind of slid under the the radar. And she's a member of the of the school board. And hey, wait a minute here, what's going on? And 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 making some noise and making some waves. And people are hearing about it. The at the Grange meeting that you had on May 28th, more than 100 people showed up, and they were all critical of critical race theory.
3: Right.
2: Is that an oxymoron? (laughs) I don't know. We're critical of critical race theory, Uh, but. Uh, uh, and and it seems, as we've stated, that some people are just, they're afraid to talk about it. Right. Well, you don't have to give your name here. If you want to join us, you can. We'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Uh, as I pointed out, this could be coming to your school. 244-1777-1877-291-8255. Maybe you think it's it's overdue. Maybe you think we should have been doing this a long time ago. Um. You know, I've, I'll throw my two cents in here. I, I think you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic is pretty important, and it seems like we're getting further and further away from that with our students today. There's indoctrination, and 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 kids are coming out, and you know they're going into college, and in colleges, like that's just it prepares them for. They're ready to go on from there.
3: Well, what's interesting is that in order to show that we need equity in our schools, often schools come out with a report that show literacy and math. And they show the discrepancy, and they usually break it down in racial groups, right, how they're doing. But in order to combat that, here we come up with this equity policy to teach students that the United States is systemically racist, that they might be oppressing somebody or they might be oppressed by somebody, instead of doing what we need to do, which is how do we get more students to be proficient in literacy and math? Why aren't we revamping our math policies? Why aren't we revamping our literacy policies to help everybody
2: does it surprise you at all that you see a number of, you know, black leaders, black entrepreneurs, black business owners, owners of, of businesses that are coming forward and, and that that are totally against This critical race theory.
3: You know, I don't because, you know, I try to think of it from the other perspective of here we have very successful people in the United States and we have a range of races of successful people in the United States. How would you feel to be told that you can't your child going to school cannot accomplish anything because the system is set against them? As a parent, I would be pretty upset because I want to send my child to school and tell my child, no matter you have to work hard, you have to put yourself out there and you can achieve.
2: Some states have actually advanced legislation to ban the teaching of critical race theory in schools. Uh, New Hampshire is one of those. Right. Is that something that we should be talking about here in Vermont at some point?
3: You know, banning something outright, again, I'm not certain that that works like that because this is an ideology. Can you really ban somebody from saying something? But what I think is most important is that these are public schools. These are supposed to be places that are free of ideologies. So if you're... You know, maybe a ban can work, but there's so many ways to work around it. Again, how a critical race theory was introduced into our district was by this program called Courageous Conversations. Yeah. It sounds like you can get behind that. So I'm not certain if a ban can go over everything, but what can. And is, a
2: ban has a lot of negative connotations. Exactly. Too. And a ban yeah. says
3: that we can't teach that. And again, we need to be able to teach the bad points of our history just as much as we treat, teach the good points of right. our history. Um, so really, it just comes down to either our public schools are free of ideologies, we're presenting all sides, or you're giving people the option to choose their own school and have tuition vouchers.
2: I'm just concerned when you – and I do want to get into that uh, as well – but I, I'm concerned w- with students uh, you know, coming up, especially younger students, when you're in you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, very uh, you know, easy. You're formulating your opinions at that point, and you're learning. And, you, and when you hear an adult talking with you, you think that, well, that's the way that it goes. And, and I hear stories about young kids coming home and, and they're, they're ashamed that they're white.
3: Right. And that's what we have is this is teaching shame. Shame for something that is completely out of their control. And kids, you know, I think sometimes we overuse the term colorblind. Kids see colors but they don't let it dictate who they play with at recess. And that's how adults, you know, sometimes we overlook that these lessons that you teach your young kids, they're applicable no matter how old you are. We can acknowledge that we all come from different places. We look different. But it shouldn't determine who we play with at recess.
2: You mentioned school choice, and that is something that I would like to get in with you, uh, get on with you. Uh, Liz Katie with me this afternoon here on Travels with Charlie. How do you see school choice helping in all of
3: this? Well, when people say, how do I get my child out of this ideology? And the schools are saying, we do have people contacting the school and the school saying, sorry, if you want to advance to the next grade, your child has to be here for all of this. Well, if you don't want your child to receive this ideology, we have the separation of church and state. Right. So if you're going to teach us in schools, then you need to give people the option to choose a school that they think will work best for their child. And you know what? Then we might see a lot of people choosing elsewhere. And maybe the public schools will backtrack and say, hmm, maybe our focus needs to be on math literacy core curriculums
2: well, well, well at this point and if if Essex-Westford were to go forward with this uh, this race policy that they that they want to institute what recourse would parents have if they don't want their student uh, they don't want their child taking uh, that course is it taught in a specific class or is it something that's just in general you can't avoid it
3: that's the concern is I think it's in general we can't avoid it because when press for a specific curriculum or specific class you're told Equity is in everything we do. Well, what does that mean? As a parent, I want to know because we have stuff in our equity policy that says children as young as pre-K will get some of this stuff. And then they say, we well, just have to t- trust that your teacher does, does age-appropriate curriculum. Well, what's your idea of age-appropriate versus mine? Where's, where's the line there? Because, again, I am the parent. I have the say. So I just encourage parents right now, before we go to what's the recourse, get involved, parents. Now is the time to speak up to say I'm not okay with this.
2: Yeah you know if you go to a you can go to a catholic school and you can opt out of taking the religion re- my, religious class
3: my children go to a catholic school they moved there this year we are not catholic my child he doesn't do some of the stuff that they do, he sits at the sidelines and he watches and he learns, which is great. Right. But he's not forced to take part in anything that they would see as a violation of what we feel in our family.
2: To the point, once again, with uh, with school choice, you you would be able to choose where you want to go. And if there's a school that, that teaches that, you say, I don't want to go to that school. Simple as
3: that. Exactly.
2: We talked about the middle ground. Can you just quickly, what is the middle ground, Liz?
3: You know, I think the middle ground is really engaging all the community. So again, you can have people who say, you know what, we see that there's a problem here. We need to discuss race more. Okay, so let's get all these people together and figure out what is the best way to go forward in order to better race relations. We don't have to. Not everybody has to be full in with the United States is systemically racist. We don't have to do that, and yet we still can be better by finding a place where we can all talk. And move forward from there. But forcing this extreme ideology on people and trying to say that anybody who doesn't believe it is just wrong, that's not the way to go.
2: School board will decide uh, later this month on the new equity policy. They may or they may not decide, correct?
3: That's a may or may not decide.
2: All right. We're not certain yet. As they say. Stay tuned. Right. Right. Liz Katie, select board, uh, school board member from Essex-Westford. Liz, thank you so much for joining me today.
3: Thank you for having me, Charlie. Stay
2: cool the rest of the day today. You too. All right. Travels with Charlie coming up next. Uh, Scott Milne from Milne Travel American Express right here on WDEV. When I'm on my travels throughout Vermont, I know where to stop for a fill-up, fresh-made sandwiches, snacks, hot coffee, or an ice-cold Coca-Cola. Jolly Convenience Stores. With over 40 in our area, there's always one nearby. And they're more than a quick stop. Proudly supporting local charities, community events, and our military. Jolly Convenience Stores. Home of the Daily Smile. Even behind that mask. Stop by today. You'll be glad you did. i got to play a little Name That Tune with uh, with Corm at some point here. Great bumper music, as always. Grand Funk Railroad, American Band, and... yeah, I was a musical disc jockey for years before I got into talk radio. They're going on tour. They were going to do it in 2020. Yeah, Grand Funk. Even Corm didn't know this. Come on. They're going to go on tour. They're going on tour. Scott Milne. From Milne Travel American Express, did I get it right?
4: <laughs> you got it right.
2: These, yes. All, all these years I knew it. I, didn't, I didn't. I don't know. I've been saying it the other way. Scott, how you doing?
4: Really good. Of course.
2: Of to... course. I've known Scott as you know the guy from the the um, the travel agency as well as candidate. Right. Scott Milne, You don't want to talk politics today.
4: Uh, no, I'll talk travel. And, Let's talk uh, we'll, travel. Save uh, politics for. Political time,
2: absolutely. Yeah, I want to thank you for your support too here on uh, Travels with Charlie. I'm having a blast doing this, as you know. uh Started off uh, doing radio some 20 odd years ago, and uh you know here I am back again. So I appreciate uh, your support on Travels with Charlie, which is a great tie in with what you do and travel. Here we are coming out of the pandemic. Are we out of the pandemic? Is the travel industry rebounding? Where is it at right now, Scott?
4: Well, uh, uh, first of all, I just want to, I always have to say, you know, if you've never made it to the music to go to the Dump By Studio, you haven't lived until you, I'm lucky, it's amongst my greatest blessings in life to have been in this studio so many times. Especially on
2: a 95 degree day and the air conditioning isn't working, Scott. It's like
4: a sauna and a music to go to the Dump By Studio, but uh, it's good to be here and also uh, thanks for uh, acknowledging our support of your show and I think... Uh, What's appropriate is to thank the, you know, thousands of folks around Vermont that have supported our company over the last 45 years. And it speaks directly, Charlie, to our business philosophy, which is, you know, you can uh, not the same philosophy articulated uh, 45 years ago. But as we articulate it today, you can press a button and buy something on the Internet or call an 800 number and call something from buy the same things we sell from a call center, whether it's in the U.S. or offshore. But those people aren't going to answer the phone when Charlie calls and says, hey, I'm starting a new business, and can you support me? Those aren't the people that are supporting Little Leagues and all these other things that's that right. we do, and that's only possible because people uh, choose to spend their money with us. So we're grateful uh, parts of uh, many communities in Vermont.
2: Very appreciative. What is the? What are some of the changes that we're seeing right now with, here we are, uh, I think it's 79.2% of the Vermont population is vaccinated. If Get out there and get vaccinated. <laughs> the governor says if we hit 80%, all the mandates, everything's off, masks are off, we're free to do whatever we want to do. Do it, do it, do it. But where are we at if I wanted to book a flight today?
4: Because
2: uh, you, know, you hear all kinds of things about, well, you know, they're not filling the planes up the entire way. They're going to put plexiglass between everybody, and you got to wear a mask. Mm. And, and then I hear from
4: people that are traveling going, nobody had a mask on. Well, uh, no, you uh, you, you uh, need to have a mask in airports and on airplanes unless you're eating or drinking. Uh, so that's for sure. And it really matters where you're going. I think it's one of the, you know, it's a good time to be a travel advisor in the travel advisor business because uh, things change all the time and you want to have somebody that you can talk to. If uh, you get off a plane in Texas, it's uh, much different than if you're getting off a plane in San Francisco yeah. as far as what you can do. And Florida what as well, right? Florida is, uh, you know, I think a good you know, uh, benchmark that we see a lot. I was actually on this uh, radio station a couple months ago, and we were talking about we had a small part in a business conference in Shanghai, and there were 200 people at a meeting in Shanghai. I think this was in early February. And I'm I'm guessing, but I'm pretty sure there were no 200 people meetings happening anywhere in America that week. And now uh, last week in uh, Florida, there was a 12,000-person conference. So from not even being a country where we had a 200-person meeting three or four months ago, now we're back to 10,000 people yeah. conferences. So, granted, that was in Florida, not in, uh, yeah. you know, not in New York City. Or so, some,
2: so, that so things stuff. are turning around. Let's talk prices. Uh, our, our gas prices are up, so fuel prices are up. Uh, that's going to affect ticket prices. Uh, but when you want to entice people to fly, you reduce your prices. So, where are we at? What are you? Are
4: there some great deals out there, Scott? Uh, there, there's good uh, values if you are going against the grain. If you want to go to New York or San Francisco to some of these downtowns where business travel and offices are empty and the hotels and the people that are coming in for businesses that are a great uh, share of uh, revenue for those people, those are good deals. Uh, if you want to go to national parks or you want to go to Hawaii or you want to go to the West Coast beaches where everybody's going, those are tough. Uh, I think that we're going to see massive inflation on airfares. Uh, We've seen it already over the last two months. I've been saying this for two or three months. We've seen a lot of inflation over the last few months. We're going to see nothing but inflation over the next year. You can buy airline tickets usually 11 months out. So if you know you want to go somewhere, our advice is buy tickets. Right now it's still uh, we're at this sort of edge of an era where you can often buy tickets without a penalty if you change them.
2: And that's something and that came about because of the pandemic, correct? Right. Yeah.
4: Maybe it'll stay. You think Maybe that'll stick
2: won't. around? It seems like a good policy for uh, the consumer.
4: It, it seems like a great policy for the consumer, but airlines are run by bean counters. <laughs>
2: so, so don't count on it, right?
4: <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Scott Milne from Milne Travel American Express with me. And we're talking about the, the travel industry. Obviously coming, uh, I'd like to say we're coming out of a pandemic. I think that we are. Let's talk quickly about cruises. Uh, hotel packages and theme parks, Disney, all of the theme parks that are out there. Good uh, buys this summer?
4: Yes, well, uh, you, uh, Disneyland uh, just reopened, as you know. It's, it's Again, Charlie, it's hard to sit here and talk and guarantee people what's going on. It's still very volatile, I bet. While I've been uh, coming into this meeting, I had a great opportunity hanging out with Rick Norcross, who's coming up next, uh, and I've only known of Rick Norcross until that, but... It's sort of like one of my many experiences in life of sort of like being the backup band to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> so when Rick comes out, you'll know I was just here to be the warm-up for Rick, and I'm, I'm going to listen to him on my way out of town. But um, things are changing all the time. While I've been sitting here talking to Rick and you, uh, we, we subscribe to a global health and safety hotline, so every one of our advisors can call or go into a sophisticated website and get up-to-date information. I can show you my phone when we're done, but I've probably gotten four alerts in the last hour of different changes around the world often around the U.S. of, you know, New Hampshire's changing their rules from this to that. You know, there's a shutdown in Spain. That big news on Friday, Spain shut down and is not letting British travelers in f- over the entire summer, you know, which is flies in the face of us being all yeah, things are coming back and it's going to be good. It's still uncertain and uh, it's a lot better, you know, just for numbers for people that like that. In May, we had our best month in 14 months. Uh, we lost money, but uh, that was okay. We planned not as much as we thought. But our May of 2021 would have been our worst week in 2019. Wow. So that's what and, – and we're our business is very, very strong. We've picked up a lot of new corporate business. So things are very strong for us. So that's what the bottom line is in the travel industry. And airlines have lost a lot of money. Hotels have lost a lot of money. I think the bean counters are going to figure out a way to charge as much money as they can. And fill as many rooms as they can. And, uh, you know, our, our role for our clients is to be your advocate and uh, help you find the best deal. And,
2: and that's exactly what you do. And, I mean, that's the advantage of working with, with Scott and, and the fine folks at Milne Travel American Express. Uh, give them a call. Or you just the easiest way is just to go on the website, travel.com. I'll spell it for you, M-I-L-N-E, milntravel.com I, I have to ask you quickly before we bring Rick in here because uh, um, you and I talked years ago about going to Cuba, uh, and you know that's still one of my dreams. I would love to go to. I know a lot of people do, and then I know we, you know we've talked about some of the. it like seems like there was a kind of a shakedown going on. If you wanted to go, you could go, but you kind of had to pay the pay the the piper in Cuba.
4: Well, uh, for a long time, uh, people would people just go to Montreal and go? And then, as uh, you know, after 9/11, people government got more sophisticated about nabbing you at the border when he came back so that got shut down um and then with uh, obama's administration it opened up at the end of the obama years we were doing a lot of uh, uh, cuba tourism uh and then uh, i think maybe at the end of obama's administration or trump but a lot of the hotels where they were steering people to are owned by the cuban military so there's a it's it's had a little setback but it'll be back in fashion i think over the next couple of years have you been I have not, but it's no? on, it's on my uh, top top to go list.
2: Yeah, I got I have to ask you, Scott Milne from Milne Travel American Express, your favorite spot of all the places that you've traveled, Scott? Do you have one that just stands out and go, man, I'd go back, I'd retire there if I could? Uh,
4: well, I, I always I always say uh, I hope the next place I go, uh, I was going to go to the Amazon before uh, COVID uh, set in and and that got shut down, but I would encourage anybody not to live but to visit. Uh, like Cuba, I think it's going to change a lot, and if you don't get there, it's going to be totally different as it opens. Africa is uh, changing rapidly, and it's just beautiful. So, if you had a chance to do a Robben Island in South Africa, the history of apartheid, and then get to do a safari, it's, uh,
2: get right that. into the jungle.
4: I've done that two or three times. Yeah. It's uh, a great vacation. When, when you
2: travel, do you uh, do you look for? Because uh, you know, I'm one that I, I don't I don't look for four star hotels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my 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 whole feeling is. You can sleep when you get home. You can have clean sheets when you get home. You want to see the country, so just get out there. I, I you know, I do, uh, you know, Airbnbs and hostels and things like that. But, yeah, and you, you know, you, you eat with the people. You see, you really see the country. Have you ever kind of backpack?
4: Uh, oh, d- uh, definitely. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've hitchhiked all through Europe a couple times. I've hitchhiked across America three times. Yeah, spent nights sleeping in movie theaters that don't show g-rated movies just because we didn't have enough money for a hotel and it was cheaper than you sure uh, you want to tell all this hotel. are you going
2: to run for office again you know um, uh, <laughs> this is, i yeah. never knew this about you scott yeah well Wow. Yeah. We learned we've, something we've
4: all we've all got lives that are complicated and uh that's a good part of life. That we do. Scott Milne. I, I really
2: appreciate you stopping by today. Scott Milne. MilneTravel.com. If you'd like more information about booking a trip, uh, and, and even, uh, Red Sox games, right? You can, we're, uh, are uh you we're working it?
4: on that. We're working on Red Sox. We'll see. Stay tuned for a couple of days. And, okay. uh, 7-8 Milne is another good way to get 800-7-8 Milne. And, uh, Charlie, good luck to you. It's good to see you again in All a right. different studio. And, uh, you're looking. Looking good. It's, it's COVID. Be, COVID here. Fun to be supporting your uh, information and entertainment of Central Vermont and Chittenden County. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you All much. Right. Thank you much, Scott. Good. To, good to see you today. Uh, Scott Mill Milne Travel American Express. We'll take a quick break when we come back and we have some music from Rick Norcross, Rick and the Ramblers. Joins us right here on Travels with Charlie. W D E V. The waste and resource management industry is a complex integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. Put your headphones on. Woo! <laughs> I'm telling the music guy over here, You gotta put your, we're in the sound studio. Put your headphones on. Travels with Charlie. Charlie Papillo, your host. And... The great Rick Norcross, Rick and the Ramblers. Don't get up. <laughs>
1: no, we're not wearing any pants. We're in the sauna. Woo-hoo. I'm out
2: of here. <laughs> hey, Rick, so great to see you. Thanks for stopping by today.
1: This is one of my favorite studios in all of Vermont.
2: Man, this is, uh, uh you know, and, and you and I did many shows together we in the old did. studio. Yep. And, and when I came in here, I said, wow. Because yep. we used to have, man, we'd have multiple people in my old studio. Oh, and yes. And it's a challenge to get three people in here, but... Yep. Well, it's been done.
1: I haven't eaten all day. Just to <laughs> yeah. make some extra room, Charlie.
2: So, so Rick, uh, um, let me just give an introduction. You know, I don't even know if I need to introduce you to the WDEV studio, uh, to the WDEV audience. They all know who you are. Vermont knows who you are, obviously. Um, you're going to talk with us today about your collection of rock and roll and country music photographs concert reviews from the pages of the Tampa Times from October nineteen sixty nine to September nineteen seventy four. Right. So he's not just Rick and the Ramblers, Rick Norcross, but had that little bit five years where he was a writer and a photographer and and man, you if I read the list of people that uh, that you photographed and met
1: yeah, we wouldn't have time for a show. Prob- I mean, it was the uh, 13th biggest market in America, so the A-list of people came through. The only people I didn't get to see up close were, of course, the Beatles were done by then, but uh, the Who and everyone else that you know had hit records and that were touring at the time came through Tampa or Florida. I had to... I went up and covered the Atlanta Rock Festival and the West Palm Beach Rock Festival. So um, it was kind of a dream gig in that they allowed me to choose whatever was happening. In other words, I was covering the music scene.
2: Now, at the time, were you performing or not?
1: I I had... Uh, see I became a folk singer in East Hardwick in 1963 and so uh, I said I was never going to have another winter in Vermont so I went to (laughs) Florida to go to college and so uh, uh, from there I went over to England and played the folk clubs for a year so when I came back to Tampa and um, went to University of South Florida to get a degree in journalism and during that time I opened a coffee house and ran that for two years so we brought uh, New York folk singers down um, Carolyn Hester and and, uh, Judy Roderick and Ramblin, Jack Elliott, and guys like that. and So I had a, a reputation in the music uh, department or the music world in Tampa, and so when they needed a writer... To cover the music scene, I went in, applied for the, for the job and got it. And so I, I was there five years.
2: And they all paid the bills, obviously.
1: Well, not by much. Well, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> if you want to talk with Rick Norcross, uh, he's going to be outside the studio after we get off yeah, the yeah, air. Exactly. Just come on by and wave. You'll exactly. be out there. I'll have uh, a fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 244-1777 or one That's toll free. Rick Norcross. Rick, uh, um, let me just read, partially a uh, list from press pass press pass is a it's a thumb drive it's not a book right people can get the thumb drive and you can see all the pictures that you've that you took uh, of these these
1: well these are my hundred favorite
2: and and these are just some unbelievable names let me start off um i'll start with the z's and we'll go back okay of course you would zz top <laughs> Tom Jones, Tina Turner, The Birds, Stephen Stills, Sonny and Cher, Roger McGuinn, Robert Plant, Robbie Robertson, The New York Dolls, Pink Floyd, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. In fact, you have a, a photo here, a poster that you brought in from Budweiser. Two classic hits. Budweiser, the official beer of Tampa's classic rock. And there's a picture of Cla- Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, August 23rd, 1974, Tampa Stadium, with the photo credit... Rick Norcross, he's still getting royalty checks from this.
1: Well, this is just about to come out in the Tampa market, and um, uh, Pepin Distributor, who's the Anheuser-Busch guy down there, who's originally from Vermont, by the way, um, he has formed a partnership with uh, a um, classic rock station in Tampa, and they're they're putting this out here in another month. So they're going to run a year of my photographs on the radio. <laughs> nice. How, how much better can it be, Charlie?
2: Are you getting paid?
1: <laughs> well, does the sun <laughs> rise over WDEV.
2: <laughs> so this is interesting. Yeah, you're a musician, you're performing, but you're also going out and doing reviews of other musicians
1: at that time. At
2: That's that time. Right. Yep. Did you ever do a bad review? Did you ever Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, and how did that feel because you're you know, somebody wearing the shoes of a of an entertainer, you're up on stage, you're performing, and you're wondering that guy's out on the in the audience there, and he's looking at me, and he's going, I don't really like Rick. He's not doing that good a job, and he writes a bad review of you, and you feel bad. You know, you don't feel really that great about it, so did you pull back a little bit when you're doing no, the reviews
1: no it wasn't my job to pan people or to or to give people uh, necessarily my own take on the music my my job was to go and create a picture or or recreate that experience uh through my photograph and, and my the what I wrote. So I I rarely, rarely had anything bad to say about people because I was playing I was uh, I was reviewing the best at that time. Yeah. I mean, you know, what do you, I'm gonna go to a Stephen Still show and say he sucks. I don't <laughs> think so. <I>
2: mean, Elvis
1: <laughs> right Elvis
2: that's jo- so, Johnny Cash.
1: Yeah. So I mean it was just a thrill to kinda of be there and be part of a, that whole situation.
2: How close did you get to some I know taking a look at the photographs I mean you got very close, but I mean, well, I had get I had, up and talk with them.
1: Yes, yeah. I had on stage, backstage, and front row access to all these artists, which which you never ever get today. That's that's the amazing thing about it.
2: Is there any one in particular that stand? I know that's not a fair question, but I don't ask fair questions anyway. Right. You're <laughs> known for that. <laughs> Uh, is there any one particular that stands out for you? you? Obviously, you've chosen 100 for press pass, and we'll tell right. people how you can get this in just a moment. Uh, is there any one that that stands out for you?
1: Well, you know, a uh, uh, pretty magic evening was. Uh, it, this is going to sound real um, uh, not, non-rock, but uh, James Taylor headlining, Carol King at the height of tapestry, Joe Mama the backup band that that. that covered all these uh Warner brothers uh acts in California that backed them all up. I mean that was that was pretty much a, one of the best shows I ever saw. The Rolling Stones are one of the best shows I ever saw. I mean, you know,
0: yeah. I mean, there's
1: only one of them. Yeah. Elvis was a, was a fantastic show. He he had not performed in public in seven or eight years when dylan came back after his motorcycle accident and did a concert with the band down in in uh, west palm beach at the sportatorium that was an all-time great show i mean they're just the magic of them being together and doing what they do because
2: <laughs> well, did you, did, you you know you have an opportunity when you're backstage you're seeing them they're not performing so they kind of let their guard down a little bit would you, do they let their guard down or are they kind of standoffish? How would you well, describe it, that? It
1: depends. I mean, some, some were just as hospitable as you can get. Others are trying to collect themselves for the performance. And I, I really did not intrude. Um, but after the shows, that's when I could get, get with Merle Haggard and talk to him about things. And, um, Chet Atkins and and Floyd Kramer and Boots Randolph had some hit songs, you know, Yakety Sax and a bunch of songs like that during that period. Yeah. So they were touring together, and those guys were just, you know, they dragged me into the dressing room by the arm and poured me whiskey. <laughs>
2: Before the show, <laughs> they I mean, had to drag you, Rick. They were as yeah, nice. I, I, they were as
1: nice <laughs> as they could possibly be.
2: Rick Norcross, with me, we're talking about Press Pass, that is a thumb drive uh, that you can order. Why don't you tell people how they can do that?
1: Right. Well, actually, we have a, a of course, a website, and it's uh, it's uh, PressPassTampa.com, and and that's pretty much a, a great way to to. Uh, uh, find out, out all about it. There's a lot of the pictures there. And and I can basically tell you that the thumb drive does have over a 100 photographs, but it also has 35 or 36 of the reviews of those various shows. It has uh, press releases. It has all kinds of other... This probably... I think there's like 138 items on that zip drive. They're 35 bucks just to... So basically because... The Ramblers have been out of work because of COVID for one whole year, and now going on a second year, yeah. I look back into my archives and pulled this stuff out to um, basically keep breathing.
2: And you can also get these as prints, am I correct?
1: Uh, you can order prints through the uh, website, yes, indeed. Yep. Yep, and people have actually been doing that, so...
2: Some some ever. unbelievable pictures, uh, and, and uh, you can you know just check out the website or, or or give Rick a call. He's lonely. He hasn't worked in fifteen oh, months. Oh, I'm not that lonely, <laughs> <like> pal. <laughs> but thanks anyway. <laughs> you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the pickle, which you don't own any longer. No,
1: the mighty pickle. The mighty gone. pickle. Yep, uh, yep.
2: Where is the pickle?
1: Uh, the pickle is uh, on its way to. Um, Uh, Philadelphia, Mississippi, and it was bought by a fellow and his wife in in Ocala, Florida, and they did some further restoration on it, and they're shipping it over to Marty Stewart for his new museum called uh, Congress of Country Music. And so it's going to be on display with our name on the side and everything uh, at this wonderful museum.
2: Larry wants to talk with you. Let's go to the phone lines here at 244-1777. Larry, you're first with Rick Norcross on Travels with Charlie. Go ahead. Hello, Larry. Hey, Rick.
0: Hey, Rick, how are you? Uh, this is Larry down in St. Petersburg, and I just want to say briefly, I know you're wrapping things up. Larry just Lewis. Say that Yes, it is. All right, Larry, yeah, thanks for I calling. See. You're welcome. I just want to give you a plug down here. When this thing hits down here, it's going to be massive. People are going to just love the photos. They're going to love being reminded of their youth. They're going to be love reminding of the places that no longer exist in the Tampa Bay and, and beyond area. Your photos are superb. Your reviews, as you mentioned, are very fairly written, very concise, positive. Even when you're talking about Janice... Joplin being busted you know. Uh, so I'm wishing you all the best and uh, I can't wait for to see the reaction down here and I hope you get some good press in the Tampa Bay Times well, and, and people like creative loafing and such so I'll get out of your way but uh, I'm glad to hear you on the radio today and, and good luck with this project, it's well worth it folks
1: Thanks Larry, I really appreciate the call um, Larry is right uh, that there were uh, close to a half a million people saw these artists during those years, you know Tampa Stadium shows 62,000 people um, uh it's so surely a couple of hundred thousand of them still got to be living in <laughs> well,
2: we would hope so that's what so i'm you, hoping so you, you you can relive them again on press pass rick norcross with us uh, from rick and the ramblers rick um, you haven't performed in 15 months what are the plans for the summer i know you used to do the state parks during the summer right um, any of that coming up this no, year
1: no unfortunately it's not we're, we're not booked at all and that the issue is that they just uh, the governor god bless him is now you know i guess within the week is going to free things up totally and and remove restrictions but um, my band is a large band and and it really uh runs on corporate sponsorship as well as our band fees and so you have to really apply for that sort of thing back in february and so that time has passed so we're out of work again this summer but What's happening next year. is that next year is going to be my farewell tour, so I'm arranging that whole thing. After 58 years, I'm. I'm oh, gonna...
2: you're not going to <laughs> go away! Come on. <laughs> well, well I'm just I gonna, had a farewell tour gonna, yeah, three years yeah, ago, yeah, and here I'm here back. You, are, you know. Yeah, here you man.
1: Well, that's the plan anyway. So we're going to take one final. Swing the
2: farewells are Supraman. fun. Yes, that's you, what I'm you know, lots of gifts.
1: <laughs> that's, that's what I'm hoping. Thanks, Charlie. Ah, oh, you're onto me, man.
2: Hey, Rick. Uh, Rick Norcross, uh, you're a great friend. I really appreciate you just stopping by today. Press pass, Tampa, 19. Sixty-nine to nineteen seventy-four. Again, Rick, tell people how they can get copies of the the press pass. They can order prints. They can get all of that.
1: Yep, go to our website, um, presspasstampa.com, and you'll see the whole thing and. In- Figure it out from there. And, right. uh, uh Thank you so much, Charlie. It's wonderful to be on the air with you again, pal.
2: Good to see you again. Our next show is on June 21st. I want to thank uh, all of my sponsors, Casella Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, Milne American Travel, with support from True North Radio, theme song written and performed by Bailey Bratcher. My executive producer is Brad Furlan. I'm Charlie Papillo, and I'll see you in my travels.